So we have been walking slowly through uh, the, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're going to take a break from that one. Uh, and we'll get back to it next week um, because, well, you'll figure out why once I, uh, once I get started with, with what we're, we're going for today. So Galatians 5, 1 through 26. Galatians 5, uh, 1 through 26. You can read the whole chapter. Uh, you're going to see it on the screen behind me or follow along if you've got it with you. Uh, before we read, let's pray together. God, once again, we're, we're, we're grateful that we can gather together and we can spend this time to, to pay attention to you, to pay attention to your spirit, to pay attention to the ways in which your spirit might be moving in our lives and in the world uh, today and, and how we might be able to, to participate in that, how, how you're calling us to participate in that with you. So we, we open up your word and we ask that you would speak to us in it and through it. Open our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians 5, 1 through 26. I'll give you a little context in later. So, <clears throat> Paul writes to the church in Galatia, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. A lot going on just in those words. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You, who are trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? So apparently things were going really well for a while. And then something happened, somebody came in, and now they're not so much anymore. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, then why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Wow, Paul, he's not happy about what's going on in Galatia. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, 
And he will not gratify the, the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, oh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. We will go that far. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom. Freedom! Happy Fourth of July, everybody. It's Independence Day. Got big plans? Anybody? Big plans? Not big plans? Do I need to hurry this along so that y'all can get to the parade downtown by 11? It starts at 11? I'll talk fast. How does that sound? I have so many memories tied up in 4th of July Independence Day celebrations. Memories from when I was a kid. Oh, we had so much fun. I remember, I remember we would take road trips up to my Uncle Jay and Aunt Pat's. Uh, up near Fort Dodge, and uh, during the day, we'd play in the creek that was behind their house. We would, uh, you know those little, those little, they look like little charcoal aspirin, and you light a match, and they grow into snakes. Like, those were the big thing for me and my brother and sister. It was like, those were the firecrackers that we got to play with, and we loved them. We thought they were awesome, so we had to play with that we, we ate really good food, all kinds of food just there for us to eat. Um, and then at night, we would sit out on my aunt and uncle's back deck, and we would watch the greatest fireworks show in all of Iowa, so we thought. Put on, I mean, we were kids, any fireworks are amazing, right? So we were sitting back there on the deck, and we would watch them, and we had this little ritual where... Uh, they were slow enough to where there weren't like two or three at a time. It was always one at a time. So they were slow enough to where my brother and sister and I, we could take turns calling them. The next one's mine. And then if it was a particularly big one, we were like, yeah, I got a big one. And if they were really small, and it was just like a little pop and not very good. We would call them duds. And we would say that, dad, you can have that one. And whose turn it was could take the next one make it a big one. Oh, we had so much fun. Of course, we try to make those memories for our own kids too. Last night, we went and we watched the fireworks here in Ames. Uh, we had some sparklers. Uh, we let them do sparklers and we introduced to them the snakes that grow out of the little charcoal aspirin, which they thought were kind of weird. Anyway, so today we're going to have, we're going to have some food with grandpa and grandma. Tomorrow we're going to go to my sister's house and we're going to swim and we're going to, it's just like this, I have so many memories of 4th of July, but the more I think about it, uh, I think the thing that I enjoyed the most was the freedom that came during the 4th of July celebration. 
right? I was free to stay up really late, way past my bedtime, free to eat all, like, we, we ate junk food, you know, hot dogs and chips and pop, and we had all that good stuff. But I think, I think the thing that I, li- I liked the most was, the, was being free to spend all that time with my aunt and uncle and my grandma and my mom and my dad, my brother and sister, all day long. It was a celebration of freedom by giving us more freedom. So good. Of course, today's Independence Day. Freedom is what this day is all about. Should we talk a little history? Let's do that. So, our freedom. On June 7, 1776, a resolution was presented to the Second Continental Congress that began the debate as to whether or not the original 13 colonies should become free and independent states. And by July 1, 1776, 245 years ago, delegates to the Continental Congress had essentially made their revolutionary decision, declaring the independence of the United States of America from Great Britain. The only thing left at that point was to put it into writing. That task they gave to a guy named Thomas Jefferson of Virginia. Whatever you think of him today, it was his task to write the thing. The following day, July 2nd, they sort of poured over all, every little detail of that all-important document, right? Like, no word should be wasted. Every word should count. It took them a full four days before they got a yes vote from all the 13 colonies. On July 4th, 1776, it finally happened. The final vote was taken. 56 delegates representing the 13 colonies signed, and that was that. We are free. Do you want to hear some words from the Declaration of Independence? Sure, why not? Let's read some. Here they are. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Oh my goodness. We hear those words, and there's still something about those words that make us go, that's pretty revolutionary stuff. Like, oh my goodness, those are pretty noble words. I mean, this really is a grand experiment we're all still trying to figure out and perfect and make better. And Some days are better than others. Some periods are better than others. Some eras are better than others. But it's it's pretty cool. So it's Independence Day. Probably a good day for us, people of faith, to think about this word freedom and think about what it might mean for us as people of faith. And before you start thinking that this is going to become a Christian nationalistic sermon, I better get to the words of Paul because he won't let that happen, okay? So, here's the deal. You can think of Paul's letter to the Galatians as his own sort of declaration of independence. Seriously. Uh, even, Even just as as revolutionary as what's contained in that document we call the Declaration of Independence that was written 245 years ago. Here's what was going on in Galatia. So there were these people 
um, Jewish people, and we, some people call, we refer to them sometimes as Judaizers. And what they were doing was they were coming into this church in Galatia that had been set up and planted. It was going well. They came in from the outside, outside agitators. These agitators came in, and they started teaching the people there that in order for you to be a part of the Jesus community, you had to become a Jew. You had to follow the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. And it was even greater than that, bigger than that, because they were so concerned with the Ten Commandments and making sure that we didn't break any of those laws Here's what they did. They built a fence around the Ten Commandments. So the fence is another 613 laws, rules, and regulations. So if you follow these out here, you were sure not to break any of these Ten Commandments. So in order to be a part of the Jesus community, you had to sort of follow all of these laws and rules and regulations, right? And Paul heard about that, and he was like, nah, man. He got angry, right? So he wrote a letter to the Galatians, essentially saying, no, it's not how it works. You're saved by grace. The grace of God in Jesus, not by keeping the law. That isn't what, that isn't what brings you into the community. That isn't what connects you to the divine. And then he says something amazing in verse 1. He says, it is for freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by the yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery was essentially having to figure out how are we going to live by all of these rules, all of these laws, all of these regulations. This, it felt like a yoke of slavery, like it was a, a burden. So essentially, these people were creating a culture of purity right? Purity of belief, purity of morals, purity of, of um, behavior. Because when you do that, it's really easy to decide who's in and who's out. It's really easy then to decide who belongs and who doesn't. You just have to look at them and look at their lives. Are they following the rules or not? And Paul is like, that's not how this works. No, 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 no. No more. So he's like, you are free, free from trying to, to please God and make it into the community of Jesus by obeying a bunch of rules and laws and regulations. You are free from the guilt of not measuring up to keeping all of those laws and rules and regulations because no one can do it perfectly anyway. Freedom from trying to earn God's love and earn God's acceptance and earn admittance into the community of Jesus. Friends, this was revolutionary. It was revolutionary. His point was that God has already given love. It's yours. God has already given God's grace. It's yours. Why would we think or even try to sort of earn it? Come. You're welcome here. You belong here. Right? And for those first century Jews listening to these words, like this would have been a hard thing for them to hear. Right? Remember, I think this is, even, this is just as revolutionary as the words in the Declaration of Independence. Right? He's saying there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just irrelevant now. And they would have thought to themselves, oh my goodness, if we're free 
if we're free from that stuff, then we can do whatever we want. Like, if there are no restrictions, no rules, nothing at all to regulate human behavior, then nothing is off limits. Paul, you are absolutely crazy. They would have thought that he was sending the Christian community, Jesus' people, into a moral tailspin. Like, everything is permissible now? Of course, Paul, being a smart guy, anticipated, anticipates this, right? So before anybody can object, before anybody can say anything, he writes this. He makes a point at verse 13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, we're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Earlier, he says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts. That's it. That's the thing. He goes on. The entire law, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. See, Paul knew that freedom from this cultural thing that they had, freedom from all of these rules and regulations, could easily turn into freedom to do whatever we want. But Paul here warns that seeing freedom as freedom to do whatever we want, or maybe we could call it a selfish kind of freedom, it leads to destruction. In his words, biting and devouring each other, destroying one another. We don't see any of that happening in our culture today at all, do we? No. <laughs> yeah. So let me read you a story. It's a fairy tale from the Brothers Grimm. It goes like this. There once was a very old man whose eyes had become dim, ears dull of hearing, his knees trembled. When he sat at the table, he could hardly hold the spoon and spilt the broth upon the tablecloth or let it run out of his mouth. His son and his son's wife were disgusted at this. So the old grandfather at last had to sit in the corner behind the stove and they gave him his food in an earthenware bowl and not even enough of it. And he used to look toward the table with his eyes full of tears. Once, too, his trembling hands could not hold the bowl and it fell to the ground and broke. The young wife scolded him, but he said nothing and only sighed. Then they brought him a wooden trough for a few half-pence out of which he had to eat like a pig. They were once sitting thus when the little grandson of four years old began to gather together some bits of wood upon the ground. What are you doing there? asked the father. I'm making a little trough, answered the child, for father and mother to eat out of when I am big. Selfish freedom. Selfish freedom. There's such a thing? I think so. Mom and dad biting and devouring. Grandfather 
only setting themselves up to be bitten and devoured by their own child later on. Selfish freedom. That's Paul's point. Freedom to do whatever we want. Selfish freedom. It just leads to biting and devouring each other. We see this all the time. Watch the news. Watch the people who lead us. Selfish freedom. It leads towards destruction. Freedom from is not freedom to do whatever we want. So what is it then? Verse 1, it's for freedom. That Christ has set us free. Freedom from, according to Paul, should be transformed into into freedom for. In other words, there's a greater meaning. There's a greater reality. There's a greater purpose to our freedom than it simply just being for us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for the greater cause of freedom, for the greater reality of freedom in the world that we have been set free. We are now free to work for the freedom of others. We are now liberated to work for the liberation of others. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The only thing that counts, he says, is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts. Serve one another in love. Translated literally, it's become slaves to one another in love. He's talking about freedom. You are now free to become slaves to one another. We now belong to one another. Right? We are free to serve, free to love, free to bless, free to give. Here, Paul is reaching all the way back through history to the beginning of the Hebrew people. And he's grabbing an idea that God gave the world when he said to Abram, I'm going to make you into a great nation and I'm going to bless you and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Free to love, free to give, free to serve. Liberated in order to liberate. Oh my goodness, who are the people in this world who are saying to us, who are crying out loud, we are not yet free. We are not yet fully recognized as equal human beings in this world. Who are they? I mean, we could, we could sit here and have a great conversation about that. And we are called. We have now been set free so that we can work for the liberation of others. There's all kinds of groups of people like that in this world. How will we use what we've been given? How are we using what we've been given? How is the church in this country using the freedom it's been given, using the grace that it's been given, using the love that it's been given. How's it working out? So there's this guy named Jack Johnson. He's, a, he's one of my favorite recording artists, right? Have you heard of Jack Johnson? If you don't know Jack Johnson, you, you should listen to some Jack Johnson. He actually recorded the soundtrack years ago to a movie called Curious George. It's the best soundtrack ever to any movie. I'm telling you. 
It's just one man's opinion, but I happen to be right. Anyway, I just reminded myself of my dad right there. Hey, dad, I just channeled you. Anyway, um, where was I going with this story? Jack Johnson, yeah. So anyway, he's got all the fame. Thank you. He's got all the fame. He's got all the fortune. He's got all the money to be as free as he wants to be. Like, dude could do whatever he wants. But I read an article recently where he doesn't really live like that. In fact, not long ago, he just, he just walked, into a, he walked into a preschool. He walked into a preschool, uninvited, and he brought his guitar and he sat down with the kids. They were like, Jack Johnson's here. Of course, come on in. And he just sat down. Twelve students there. And he just started playing his Curious George album for them. Just for fun. And apparently, he does that sort of thing all the time. Through song, he encourages people to think about the environment. Encourages people to reduce, reuse, and recycle. Three R's we're going to talk about today. I'm not going to sing the rest of it, but anyway. So he uses his freedom, he uses his fame, he uses everything that he's been given, and he recognizes it's all gift. So he uses it to bless. He uses it to give. He uses it for that purpose, right? And we see, we see Hollywood stars doing this all the time, right? They come up with this great big cause, and they're real vocal about it, and often there's a certain section of society that looks down their noses on them and thinks, well, if we just had that kind of money and that kind of influence, we could do a whole lot more than they're doing, and maybe that's right. Maybe they could be doing more, but here's the truth of the matter. So could we. So could we. Each of us. It is for freedom. Christ has set us free. We are free in Christ. But since we are free in Christ, it is freedom that is defined by Christ. And it is fundamentally different than the freedom defined by our world. It's fundamentally different than the freedom that is defined by our culture. Freedom to do whatever you want. Freedom defined by Christ is love of neighbor. Freedom defined by Christ is commitment to community. Freedom defined by Christ is being given the responsibility to work for the freedom and liberation of others. It's grace with responsibility. So I cut off the end of that Brothers Grimm story. I want to finish it for you right now. Here's the ending. I'm making a little trough, answered the child, for father and mother to eat out of when I am big. The man and his wife looked at each other for a while and presently began to cry. Then they took the old grandfather to the table and henceforth always let him eat with them and likewise said nothing if he did spill a little of anything. They had learned that in honoring a parent, they possessed their own future. They learned. They learned. They learned. I think we have an opportunity to learn. I think we have an opportunity to repent. I think we have an opportunity to look at the world 
and listen to the whole communities of people who are saying, our lives don't matter as much. Can we change things? We have an opportunity to do that. Freedom in Christ is meant to be shared, not hoarded. It's like the ringing of a bell. What happens when you ring a bell? Like a church bell, old church buildings. The sound just reverberates and just goes out and affects all who will listen. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be given away. Of course, our best example of this is Jesus himself. In his freedom, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, held on to. So he became one of us, took on human flesh, as Paul says in Philippians, became a slave, and then gave himself away on the cross so that we might know what God looks like, so that we might know what love looks like, so that we might know what it truly looks like to live a true, authentic human life. He gave himself away. And the ringing of that bell will be heard forever. Will we do the same? Will we really, truly let freedom ring? I hope so. Let's pray.